Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to read my text a little bit later on in the message. The second book of the Bible is Exodus and turn to 33 and, and there you are. You're going to be in the right spot. Verse 15. You know, greeting, uh, greeting cards are an interesting way of communicating. And um, they communicate a lot of things. They express people's appreciation or, or thanksgiving or all kinds of things. Our sorrow, our sympathies. Uh, many things get expressed through greeting cards. There's been an occasion or two, and as Joan's been doing something in a store, I'll, I'll, I'll look at some greeting cards and just kind of look at what's in them and things like that. That's, uh, I mean, you know, you really know you're sort of burning time when you do stuff like that. But uh, it is kind of interesting. There's some funny ones out there, and and usually I kind of I kind of go to those that have a picture of something or someone on it, and and see what kind of inscriptions in there. Some of them some of them aren't worth reading, but uh, anyway, I, I I'd like you to listen to what was inside one card. It goes like this: Weeks of extensive research have confirmed what I have suspected all along, that I cannot live without you. You know, this isn't a bad, I'm just kind of little parentheses here. This isn't a bad little run-up to uh, Valentine's. And I, you know, I suggest especially, I'm always trying to help the men of our church. Uh, especially close attention. This can help you. Okay, I'm content. I, I see some men back there just... Like, don't you dare. Okay. Here we go. You're the peanut butter in my jelly. You're the prize in my cereal box. I think of you in the morning. I think of you at night. I think about you when the therapist says, right now, don't think about anything. And I will never, never, never delete you as my BFF. Amen. Isaac, do you know what BFF stands for? Come up here. You can stand right there. My microphone will pick you up. Tell these people. There's some people that don't know what BFF means. Best friend forever. There you go. Best friend forever. Thank you, Isaac. There's a 21st century man among us. Thank you, thank you. You know, one of the great promises of the Bible is the fact that God says, my presence will be with you. And I've just been, I've been, I've been captured by this idea actually this week. Joan and I were on a little bit of vacation here uh, over the past week anyway, and this started to form in my head sort of began to just move in my mind and in my heart about the presence of God, the fact that he is with us, the fact that today, right now, in this church service, God is with us. This is his promise. 
He's promised it in many different ways, in many different forms, the fact that I am with you this morning. I'm here in this place. And because he's in this place, he has a great interest in communicating with us, in interacting in some way in our lives. This is, what, this is what really kind of gets me. This isn't just some church service. This isn't something that, okay, it's Sunday, and i got to burn off 75 minutes of my life sitting here in this place, and then I get a, I, they also expect me to pay for it. This isn't it. This isn't, you're, you're wrong on that one. You're totally off the, 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 the track on that one. This is a place where God is with us. And I pray, I tell you, I pray most of the time through the week and, and especially on Sunday, I'm not worried about God with us or, quote, not being with us, but he is with us. What I pray about is, God, awaken me. Awaken my life. Awaken my spirit so I realize you're with us. And I'm aware that you're here today. And that you want to do something in my life. One of the greatest promises of the Bible is God's presence with us. The nation of Judah was taken into captivity. They were swept off to Babylon. They were living in a concentration camp-like atmosphere. And the prophet Ezekiel speaks to them. He told them a tremendous prophecy. And in fact, the very last words of the last chapter, or the last verse of Ezekiel is, I am Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is with you. Think of that. In a miserable setting, as prisoners, having no freedom or anything, God says, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I'm with you in this place. God is there, and he's here this morning, and what a great comfort to know that he is, that he is with us, and he desires to, to touch our, our lives. And no matter who is against us, no matter what is happening in our life, no matter if we think that the world has come against us this, uh, today, God is with us. Take that home with you. God's with us. God's with us. Moses was a man of God's presence. And in fact, God, uh, in fact, Moses and his people knew about the presence of God. The Lord had spoken to Moses as he stood before the burning bush in the presence of God. He spoke to him. He said, Moses, you're going to be a deliverer. And in fact, that was such a holy, sacred moment. God says, you need to take off your shoes. Because this is holy ground. Moses was on Mount Sinai. And up there on top of that mountain was the lightning and the thunder and the rumblings and all of these things. And it was the presence of God. And God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And when the people saw Moses again, it says his face shone. Why? Because he had been in the presence of God. It's interesting in that same chapter, Exodus chapter 20, it's interesting in that same chapter, God says, I want to come down and I want to talk to the people. And, you know, and the people have an interesting response. They said, no, 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 whoa, whoa. 
No, Moses, you go ahead and talk to us and tell us what God said. We don't want him coming down here. This is a God of lightning and thunder and, and rumblings and all kinds of things that he may just kill us. And I think God was kind of, had that on his mind a little bit too, maybe. Because they were starting to become very disobedient. <clears throat> and so they said, Moses, it's okay if you talk to us, but not God. Folks, I want God to talk to us this morning. I want God's presence to be the one thing in this church service that you would walk out of here and say, God was with us. God was here. I don't remember the music. I don't remember much about the sermon. I don't remember a whole lot about the communion. But God was with us. God was here today. And he spoke into my heart. He brought encouragement. He brought strength. He brought his, his renewing presence. He brought his assurances to, 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 to stand in my life and to be a part of my life. That's what I pray. Israel was blessed with the presence of God. There was a cloud of his presence that led them every day in the wilderness for 40 years. There was this massive cloud of God's presence that overshadowed the people of God as they wandered and traveled in that desert. The Bible says at nighttime, there was this, again, a massive pillar of fire. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the light that came off of that and the heat that came off of that and all of this thing? This pillar of fire stood with Israel for 40 years. It was his presence. This chapter 33 that I refer to here this morning, I think is really kind of a turning point in the life of Israel and everything else because Moses and Israel were facing this terrible prospect of the fact that God says, my presence may not be dwelling with you much longer. And that had to be shocking news. It certainly was to Moses. He understood that. And... Uh, the people have been sinning against God. And uh, God was basically saying to Moses, he said, look, you go ahead and go on, go on into the land of promise that I'm going to give you. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to even give you a strong angel to go before you. But my presence isn't going with you. My presence won't be going with you. Moses decided to do something about this. And so he erects a small little tent outside, outside of the, the encampment of Israel, outside of the tabernacle. He just basically sets up a little tent over here. And he says, I'm going to go in this tent and I'm going to make this a tabernacle. And I'm going to ask God to be with me. And I'm going to speak to God. That's pretty good. And so he did, and the Bible says the cloud came over that little tent, that little tabernacle. Now this wasn't the one way back there. This is just some little, little dinky tent. And Moses stood in it. And the, the presence of God sat over that. And the Bible says in verse 7, 
Verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside a camp, far from the camp, and he called it a tabernacle. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle uh, of meeting, which was outside. And it goes on in verse 10, it says, And the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle, and the people rose and they worshiped. Listen, there's lessons all over this place right here, and I want to be able to get to a couple of them. But the fact that the people were worshiping, the people were worshiping, and as they worshiped, as they worshiped, the presence and the power of God began to stand in that place. And Moses was going to be able to have a talk with God. And he says this in verse 15. Moses said this to God. This is pretty bold stuff here. If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, the promised land was right over there. Right over there. This is the place that they had heard about that they wanted to get to, they longed to get to, and, and, and Moses was saying, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going there. We're not going. Verse 16, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with We are people of God's presence. We are people of God's presence. And Moses said, if you don't go with us, there's no way that we will be identified as the unique people of God. Do you follow me in this? This is where we are today. This is where God is taking us this morning to be the unique people of God. Why? Because we go to church? Because we carry a Bible? No, it's because of God's presence that is with us. And that's not just necessarily inside of us. God's presence that when we walk into a situation, walking into a room, something about that room changes. Why? Because somebody with the presence of God just showed up. And it's going to make a difference. Walk into a hospital room with me sometime. Walk into that place where there's sickness and where there's disappointment and all kinds of things that are happening. And when you walk in and the presence of God is a part of that visit at that moment, something begins to change. Something is... Something, something begins to turn. A corner is turned. And a change begins to occur. Why? It's the presence of God. It's his presence. Two things. God's presence is what distinguishes his, distinguishes his people. We are the people of his presence. And whether they traveled, wherever they traveled, God was with them. His presence was, uh, and they were somebody. Without his presence, they were nobody. They were just regular people. They were just ordinary old folks that uh, moving around the countryside. Number two, God's presence is what distinguishes them from all other people. God's presence made them a special people. 
separate from all others. The religions of the people of that day, and far as I'm concerned, it hasn't changed a bit in 2017. The religions have different names today. They have different looks and all of this thing, but they're virtually the same. They, had, they were people of many gods. This god, that god, they had stones, they had wood, they had all kinds of carvings and all kinds of things that represented their god. But the god, this Jehovah, was present with them. He was real with them. He was a life-transforming god. They could talk to those stones and rocks and trees and everything else under the sun and nothing would ever change in their life. But this is a God who elevated people. This is a God who liberated people and changed their lives. 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read real briefly from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. This is, how, this is God's... Uh, definition of who you are this morning but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light verse 10 goes on and says who once were not a people but are now a people of God the now a people of God who have not obtained mercy, but who have now obtained mercy. That's who we are. There's a New Testament version of the presence of God. In fact, you'll find it in several places. Let me, let me, show, let me tell you about two or three of them here real quick. In Matthew chapter 17, the Bible says Jesus and Peter and James and John went up on top of a tall mountain. And the presence of God surrounded that company of people who loved God. And in the midst was Moses. There was Elijah. And the Bible says this, and it's so intriguing to me. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah talked together. What did they say? And it doesn't tell us. You can ask him when you see him, though. I'm curious, what were you guys talking about on the mountain? In fact, the presence of God was so powerful. Peter speaks up and he says, let's build some little, little tents, little, little booths out of whatever was there. We want to just stay here. Jesus said, no, we've got to go back down the hill. And Moses and Elijah left. Powerful, powerful scene. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, they were all together in one place and in one accord. The Bible says the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit invaded that upper room. The presence of God. The presence of God. And it transformed those disciples who previously had been hiding in fear, wondering where is the future for us. It turned them into, into apostles, bravely taking the word of God to literally the four corners of the earth. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. 
John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. In what? In the presence of God. He was a prisoner on this crummy little outcropping in the Aegean Sea. A prisoner of faith. And the Bible says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And behind me, I heard a voice. The sound of many waters. And I turned and I saw him. This is where we want to go, folks. This is where we want to go. There is a condition attached to the presence of God that I need to tell you about, and I'll do it as quickly as I can. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles, real quick. There is a secret to maintaining the presence of God in your life. And the Lord reminded Asa, God was very point blank in this. No holds barred. He says, Asa, don't forget how you gained these victories over the many years of your, your reign. Asa was a very successful king, a godly king who instituted many wonderful reforms and everything like that. He had enjoyed success for more than three decades. <clears throat> and God was saying, look, don't forget how you got all these victories. Don't forget this. He says, you sought me with all of your heart. You turned holy to me. When you were in trouble, I sent my, what did he say? I sent my presence. I sent my presence to you. And it was my presence that put your enemies to chase. And then the prophet went on to Asa and to remind him that the kingdom, before you came to power, Asa, this kingdom was totally out of kilter. This kingdom was lawless. This kingdom was a mess. This kingdom was a, a deal where everybody did exactly whatever they wanted to do. And then you came on board here. You listened to God and God's presence was with you. And these changes begin to occur in people's lives. It was a powerful thing. But then he reminded Asa of this. If you forget me, then you're in trouble. If you forget who gave you these victories, if you forget who brought you up and did all of these things. Folks, today we see the tragedy of people forgetting God. We see the tragic things that are hitting the homes like you can't believe. We see the dysfunction in people's lives, the dysfunction of homes. Where love is, there's hatred and anger and all kinds of other things that is going on. And it's simply because we have forgotten God. We have left God out of the equation. We said, I'm smart enough to do this on my own. I'll take my own risk here and here and here. And we have people that are just simply dysfunctional in the eyes of God and they leave what God has for them. God says, you follow me and I'll be with you. That's my guarantee. You follow me and I'll, I'll come after you. You follow me and I will walk with you. You follow me and I will fight for you. But you turn away from me. And all you are is a shell. Folks, we have people today that have enough Christianese in them. 
They know the Christian lingo. They know that. But their faith is far from God. We call them backsliders. They're backslidden. And it's a terrible thing before God. Turn yourself back to God this morning. If you're here in this room this morning and you're away from God, my friend, it's time for you to get right with God. Let's quit fooling around with this thing. But pastor, you know, I got hurt. Fine. Now you're in trouble. I just left the podium. <laughs> Folks, let's get over this childish junk. Let's get over it. Let's grow up. I want to tell you something. Today God is calling this church, this church, get out of this shallow end, get into the deep end, because that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. That's where my presence is going to literally flood over your life. It's going to, you dive in there. You dive into the shallow end. You're going to hit the bottom, and it's going to hurt. It's time to move forward. It's time to step out. It's time to step away from comfort zones and me first and all of this other stuff that goes on in the church today, it's time to stop it. There's nothing more important than the presence of God in our life. I'd like to ask all of our deacons and all of our elders to join me right up here. Deacons and elders. I know you deacons don't think you can pray, but you can, and you're going to learn about it today. Donnelly, we're going to pray with people this morning. We're going to pray before we have communion, in fact. Folks, the theology in this thing is so simple. It's not complex. If I will seek the Lord, God says, I'll be with you. It's that simple. And I'm going to ask people this morning here in just a moment to simply stand up wherever you're at if you'd say I want somebody to pray with me you don't have to tell us what the need is if you want to that's fine but you don't have to but one of these men are going to go and find you and they're going to pray for you and as you stand I'm going to ask other people around you to perhaps stand with you and they're going to pray with you and we're going to expect the presence of God that we've been talking about here this morning to take that moment of prayer and fill it with his power, with his grace, which is so amazing and incredible that we cannot describe it. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, it says, the Lord will be found in you. And I just, I, this is my last thought on this. The Hebrew word for found means that his presence will come forth and enable and bless your life. In other words, his presence is going to just begin to fill your life up. It's just going to begin to fill your life up. And he's going to start his enablement in your life. That's what God's going to do.
I want to pray with you right now. Donnelly, I'm just going to pray with people right now. Father, we thank you again that you love us and care for us. We say that so often. We repeat it. Maybe it becomes hollow at times, but we don't intend it to be. Father, we're so thankful that you care for us. I pray for somebody today who's had just a, maybe a terrible week. So many things have went wrong. Maybe things have been said. Father, would you forgive? Would you restore? Would you make it right? Father, I pray for people that are under significant amounts of stress. Perhaps it's because of a business or family situation, whatever it might be. Father, I pray that you'll lift that person, lift them strong. Show them wisdom, grant them grace, grant them mercy. Father, I pray for people today that, that are quite worried about tomorrow, worried about what's coming in the weeks ahead. Father, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are people of faith. We are people that have confidence that even though we cannot see around the next corner, you can. And that because of that, we know that your hand will guide us. We can be certain of that. Father, I pray that every person here today would realize that they are loved by you, they are blessed by you. Father, I pray for somebody right now that's dealing with health issues. I think a health issue that just seems to keep nagging on isn't changing. Father, I pray today, let this be the day it changes because of your presence. Fall fresh on that person. Give them the kind word of your reassurance that you're healing is coming into their life. Father, I pray for somebody who's got problems with their kids, their children. Some, we've got some prodigals in this church. I pray today that this will be the day in which that prodigal, like the prodigal son in Luke 15, looks up and sees the face of a hog and says, it's time for me to return to the Father. It's time to me to make a change. It's time to me to quit wandering, go back to the Father's place where I know I'll be welcomed by him. Father, let that be a reality today in this church. Father, I pray for somebody here today and I don't believe they're right with you. And maybe they're backslidden, maybe, they're just, maybe they've never even made a real real confession of their faith to Jesus Christ. Today's the day, friend. Today is the day. Now is the time. Now's the time to simply say, I confess that I am a sinner. 
and I can't save myself. Church doesn't save me. My religion isn't saving me. My good works isn't going to save me. Only Jesus. Today I ask him to be the Savior and Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Live in me. I believe you died for me and you rose from the dead. And I ask you to be my Savior and Lord and begin the transformation of my life today. Father, I thank you for the blessings of God. And I thank you for the season of communion that we'll share. I pray let us seal our, our hearts with those elements in our hands. I thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.